Hello and welcome to Disseminate, the Computer Science Research Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wardby. I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Vasily Sartakov, who will be talking about his OSDI paper, CatVM's Capability-Based Isolation and Sharing in the Cloud. He is an Advanced Research Fellow in the Large-Scale Data and Systems Group of Imperial College London. Vasily, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. Can you start off by setting the scene for the listener and introducing your research? Okay. First of all, I would like to tell you about my background, uh, what I did before I started my career in research, because it defines my research topics in many aspects. I graduated from a university in 2010 with a diploma of an engineer. And I already had some operating system related experience in the industry. And my final thesis was devoted to microkernels. Since then time, I was involved in various R&D activities in the area of system security, mostly related to microkernels, microkernel frameworks, uh, microhypervisors. I was leading a small group of engineers called uh, Xyslabs. At this time, uh, there was the second, maybe the third coming of microkernels. CL4 became open sourced. Um, there were several projects from Germany and to Dresden, uh, Fiasco we see, L4E, um, GNOT framework, um, microhypervisor NOVA. Uh, there is actually a Eurovisis paper about it. Um, it was a quite popular topic um, in the industry, and many people wanted to use microkernels. And our usual task sounded like, um, hey, we have a huge monolithic software, and we need someone who will partition it and run on top of a microkernel. They usually need uh, this VP stack, network services, uh, obviously device drivers, um, deprivileged uh, graphic user interface, etc. And typical problem was the messaging interface, not only on the technical side, but mostly on social technical. I will explain. Um, analytics software uses um, jump and return interfaces between components. And when you cut them, you need to redevelop this interface to, pop, to copy arguments, uh, to, the, um, to redesign OpaGuy pointers, callback tables, etc. Uh, this requires engineering effort, but more important, someone needs to support their sports. Um, and this is the problem. People come, people go, nobody wants to repeat the same partitioning each time to update software. Um, this is actually why microkernel frameworks usually have coarse-grained components. The complexity of interfaces doesn't allow to make partitioning practical. Uh, huge components usually have narrow interfaces that are easy to port to messaging and to support later. And let's come back to my research. So in 2017, I moved to Germany and started my research in confidential computing. And in 2019, I moved to the United Kingdom. In my research from technological point of view, I'm looking how new hardware features, particularly inter-process isolation mechanisms, can be used to efficiently partition and isolate software. Speaking about operating system, it's the reverse side of metal. The part I'm interested in doesn't manage hardware, but manages software and provides primitives for isolation and sharing. The example with jump and return calls, you can use inter-process isolation mechanisms like Intel MPK or Cherry to isolate components and to create IPC primitives that preserve jump and return semantic of calls, as we demonstrated in our past year as well as paper called Cubicolos. Today, we will discuss intervisor and CAPVMs, and they also use hardware-supported mechanisms such as hardware memory capabilities to efficiently isolate components and provide efficient primitives for data sharing. Again, the isolation and sharing plus novel hardware technologies. Uh, 
with all that in mind, can you describe to the listener what are the current approaches to achieving application compartmentalization in the cloud are today? What are the current approaches people take to do it to achieving this? Um, the key element uh, in the compartmentalization is the isolation technology. It defines what you can do with compartment and in general how practical the compartmentalization will be. However, despite the existence of various modern isolation technologies such as Intel APK, uh, SGX is also some sort of inter-process isolation with a very special threat model. Uh, the overwhelming uh, practical solutions are based on virtual machines, virtualization, and containers, namespace virtualization. Okay, great. So what are the problems with VMs and containers? Um, let's have a look uh, on them from the point of view of tension between isolation and sharing. Uh, virtual machines provide very strong isolation. Um, they base it on the idea that there is no red pill, and if you have um, two communicating VM hosted on, on top of a single server, you should use uh, TCP IP stack and uh, virtual networking for communication. It's very excessive. Uh, because the data is in memory already, and all what you need is to give reliable access to it. Instead, we use TCP IP for communication and data exchange. Um, containers, in turn, um, virtualize namespace, and they may use something better than networking, but the kernel is the lowest common denominator over all containers, including the host kernel, uh, which means that your um, REST API application includes USB driver in the trusty computing base or deprecated file system uh, or some components that you don't ever use. But this is the problem. And um, in other words, um, VM have very strong isolation, may have small shared, compu uh, shared trusted computing base. For example, micro hypervisor, NOAA, it's very, very small, um, but very slow um, cross VM IPC. Containers, on the other hand, uh, weaker isolation, huge shared trusted computing base, but relatively faster IPC. Um, and what, what we actually need is slow shared trusted computing virtualization with fast IPC. Okay, cool. So given the state of play and the current trade-offs you just explained, what is the key idea behind CAP VMs? The idea of the project is that we don't use MMU for isolation. Indeed, MMU uh, gives you sharing and isolation, the basic technology, um, but MMU defines the characteristics of the compartmentalization. We have processes, uh, we share the page granularity, and we involve a shared intermediary like kernel or hypervisor each time when we want to perform IPC. So, I mean, can you can you explain to the to the listener what memory capabilities are? Now we come to our basic technology of the project. So let's consider an example. Uh, you have a register and you can load any value into it. And this register can point to any reasonable address in the address space. So you can load and store data via this register using simple instruction. Uh, but in the case of hardware memory capabilities, this register has not only the address this register points to, but also bounds of the memory that this register can point to in principle. Each time when CPU loads an address into this register, it actually loads a FAT pointer is built in addresses, uh, bounds and uh, permissions. And um, so the CPU disallows you to reference data outside of the bounds or use this uh, register 
these operations like special load or special store. Of course, you can't construct a random, uh, you can't construct capability from a random sequence of bytes and capabilities can be created only from another capability via capability of instructions. What are the kind of the main challenges that arise by using memory capabilities as part of the cloud stack or part of a cloud stack? Speaking about memory capabilities in the context of our paper, we of course speak about uh, the Cherry architecture. And uh, Cherry is a very novel, very new uh, implementation of hardware memory capabilities. It's a hybrid architecture. It combines uh, at the same time MMU plus um, capability-based um, isolation. Um, and uh, Cherry requires porting of software. Um, if you want to get all uh, features of hardware memory capabilities, such uh, memory safety, you should port your software to something called Pure Capability ABI. In this ABI, all registers are capabilities and all instructions that use pointers are capability aware. On practice, it means that uh, some low level and system software requires some modification and people usually don't like to change things that work. So if you have a very huge uh, project, um, it, it's, it will be highly likely that you need to change something into this project to make it work on top of uh, pure capability API. Um, generally speaking, as I say, uh, pointers become uh, twice fatter. So if you have padding in structures, if you care about alignment and, and other low-level uh, things, uh, you should uh, change something in your software. However, um, compiler, an operating system uh, provided by Cherry and, and people who developed this project, uh, they listed very clever. And if you don't use something low level, uh, specific things that are about alignment, as I mentioned, uh, you will not see any problems. Okay, cool. So what are the key features then of CatVMs and how do they go about addressing the challenges and you just described, and how do they improve? How do they improve over the pitfalls of VMs and containers? In short, cap VMs offer lightweight isolation, uh, private namespace in the form of deeply rich library operating system, and fast cross cap VM IPC primitives, which work at byte granularity. Uh, the latter is also important. Um, of course, you can share memory uh, for communication between the virtual machine, um, but you should think twice before remapping pages. Uh, what if you accidentally what if you accidentally expose something that shouldn't be exposed? Well, in the case of cup VMs, uh, you can give access to the data in place because sharing works is by granularity. Okay, nice. So let's dive into the details a little bit then of cap VMs. Can you give the listener an overview or describe the architecture of CAPVMs? CAPVMs are managed by Intervisor. We call it sometimes as Type 3 Hypervisor. It's a user-level process that uses its own memory to host CAPVMs. Um, the CAPVM is just a binary executing in a constrained way. Code inside the CAPVM can jump outside the, the CAPVM only in a controlled way. Uh, this is called the host call interface, and it also can access memory outside CAPVM bounds, also only in controlled way. So, generally speaking, uh, you can execute any code inside CAPVM, uh, but to run something practical, you of course need Linux compatible environment, and we provide it. So, we have a deep privileged LKL, so Linux kernel library for compatibility with Linux, plus a muscle libc. 
Nice. So how are, how are CAPVMs isolated then? Now it's a very interesting part. Uh, the isolation is a very important technical part of this project, and we fully rely on the Cherry architecture. Uh, we already discussed a bit uh, pure capability ABI, when all pointers related instructions and registers are capabilities, uh, but we use hybrid ABI. Um, this ABI allows you to use native instructions when everything is capability unaware, and selectively use capabilities and capability aware instructions when it's necessary. Also, hybrid code is constrained by something called default capabilities. Uh, internally, all instructions become relative to two capability registers, one data and program capabilities. Constrained code can't access data or code outside the bounds of the default capabilities, uh, but can do this via capabilities and capability of instructions. So this is the mechanism we use for cross-cup VM IPC. In other words, default capabilities are part of a thread context. They may cover a fraction of virtual address space, which means that you can create multiple compartments defined by pairs of non-intersecting default capabilities. That's how we create multiple VMs inside a single address space of IntraVisor. Nice. So what does the API of a VM look like then? Um, API, API is quite minimalistic. Just implement proof of concept. Um, you can instruct IntraVisor to spawn a cap VM described by several parameters like size of compartment, uh, binary you want to load inside, um, argument you pass, etc. Also, uh, there is interface between IntraVisor and cap VMs. So mechanisms such uh, creation of threads or interaction with I/O they are not they can't be implemented inside the cap VM, and the cap VM invokes IntraVisor to provide those mechanisms. This is our host call interface. And you also can use uh, capability-based primitives. Um, I mean, IPC based on capabilities. Uh, we have cup files, cup calls, uh, cup stream. Uh, they also involve, uh, they also use the host call interface. Cool. So how do cap VMs then avoid the need for having your application code being aware of, uh, of having capability aware application code? Good question. Um, let's speak about our capability-based IPC mechanisms. Uh, constrained code, even compromised, can access data and code outside. Constrained code, even compromised, can't access data and code outside of bounds defined by default capabilities. Also, you can't create default capabilities from nothing or increase permission of existing ones. So code is really constrained. And um, to invoke functions of IntraVisor via the host call interface, you need capabilities. And um, VMs have them. The IntraVisor stores capabilities for host call interface at the moment of creation of VMs. So now we have a cup VM and there is a controlled way how you can jump outside of this um, cup VM. For that, you need to use capability aware instructions and you need to have capabilities. So you must use capability aware code. However, this is the lowest low level like hardware abstraction layer inside the classical VMs. So this code anyway will be pure capability aware. But we want to speak about the application code, which is always native, which means capability unaware. And, but capability unaware application code wants to benefit from the use of capability-based IPC mechanisms, right? 
And uh, we have a transition layer, which is pure capability, and uh, it's a layer, it's a driver layer. So when you have a connection between two KPMs, um, one have a donor KPM and one is a donor KPM, the other one is recipient KPM. The donor informs intervisor that it has a memory to share, again, by granularity, while the recipient probes this memory via key, like a shared memory interface in POSIX, and intervisor stores the capability to this shared memory into the memory of the recipient. So now the recipient KPM has a capability to share its memory and to use it, it should use capability of instructions uh, that work inside KPM kernel, as I said, like a driver. So the native code reads and writes data from the kernel objects, it's a file. And when, in, when it reads this while system call, in fact, the kernel driver involved or uses capability aware instructions to read data from a remote uh, capability, uh, from remote KPM. That's all. So the separation between uh, native and pure capability code is the kernel interface, the syscall interface. Cool. Awesome. So can you talk us through how you went about implementing CatVMs and how you evaluated them? What did you compare them against? How did you compare them? And what were the key results from your evaluation? We prototyped Intervisor and KPMs using RISC-V64 Cherry-enabled platform. It's a development of people from Cambridge and the Cherry project. And we used FPGA for benchmarks, uh, also implemented by uh, by the Cherry team. Um, also, we used Hi-Fi, Sci-Fi on match board to test uh, complex multi-thread uh, services, uh, but obviously without uh, any security guarantees. We needed this platform uh, to generate um, Docker images, so uh, we have full compatibility with um, ordinary systems. So we use Docker to compile and generate images that we use uh, as KPMs. And uh, also we tested uh, our system on top of um, a multi-core CPU to obtain uh, performance results uh, in complex applications. Um, well, generally speaking, of course, our variation is a performance-based benchmark. Uh, we measure performance of IPC primitives uh, we developed, such cup files, cup calls, cup streams. Uh, we compare them with legacy um, interfaces. And um, the, measure, the the most important result probably is that if you don't need synchronization mechanisms in your IPC, you can reach um, performance of IPC close to memory copy speed, which is a very fast. Nice. Uh, yeah. Of course, there is a not so brilliant result. Uh, we, if you need synchronization, uh, you will pay for the synchronization because um, uh, because uh, you need to involve the host kernel each time when you want to occur uh, mutex, for example, uh, and this adds some overhead. So if you use small chunks of uh, data uh, and you need synchronization, um, our proposed mechanism is not always uh, faster than legacy, but of course there are cases where our cup files and cup streams uh, significantly outperform like, two times and more uh, legacy interfaces. Yeah, you preempted my next question now. I was going to ask you, are there any situations in which cap VMs are the, the wrong or suboptimal choice and what are the characteristics of those situations? But 
I guess you've um, covered it there, cup, unless you've got anything else to add on that. Uh, cup VM, yes, of course, actually many things. <laughs> cup VMs <laughs> offer lightweight isolation uh, and have a low shared trusty computing base and have fast Cup VM based, uh, capability based uh, IPC mechanisms. So, uh, of course, we already know that there are some exceptions, ex- there are some cases where our IPC might be less efficient than they could be. Uh, but the first and the second uh, options, they always, uh, the first and second, first and second features, uh, they also, they anyway, very important. So, um, of course, so if you don't need capability-based IPC or your use case doesn't benefit from the use of them, uh, you anyway will have uh, strong isolation and will have low TCB infrastructure. Then another thing is if you want to run inside the CAPVM more than one application, um, this will become a little bit tricky. So uh, it's a question in real life, uh, will you use uh, a virtual machine to run more than one application inside the container? Because if we look on um, practical uh, use of containers, people usually try to spawn a single service inside a single uh, container or, or a VM. But anyway, so if you want to run more than uh, one application inside um, a cup VM, um, this becomes slightly tricky and it will require some modification. So the problem is the transformation of pointers when you pass them between isolated compartments, uh, like a program and a kernel or between kernel and intervisor. And those pointers should uh, be either capability and there will be no problem, but the code should be capability aware. Or uh, if they're integers, so if the capability unaware, those integers should be transformed to be valid inside different compartments. And this works uh, with two nested compartments uh, with the same base. When you have two compartments, one inside another one, and they have the same base, it works very well. It's application. This is kernel. Application can't access kernel. Kernel can access application. This works very well. But if you want to add another application, like application, application kernel, one of them will more privileged. One application will be more privileged than another one. And this technically can be solved. So there is a solution that will allow you to have multiple native applications uh, isolated um, and uh, there will be no need in a transformation of pointers between when they, you pass them between different uh, compartments uh, but this is the implementation isn't very optimal um, this is the limitation of the um, architecture cool so how how could a, a malicious user an attacker gain control over CapVM. What was the threat model you used when you were developing and designing CapVMs? Very easy. Um, we use native code and native code is capability and, and it's completely, and it doesn't benefit from the user capabilities. So uh, all what we have is uh, read, write, execute uh, bits uh, on memory and nothing else. So obviously if you have uh, attack based on uh, Stack smashing, uh, you will you can gain control over application, and in our model, well, we assume that you can get access even to the kernel, which is kernel technically isolated from the application. So, well, you are free to do this. So we assume that we have bugs everywhere, and our attacker gain control. However. Um, 
it's not a problem uh, because what an attacker can do, um, they can try to access memory outside borders of uh, the cap VM, and it is impossible because uh, all native instructions are constrained by default capabilities, and there is no way to increase permissions of existing default capabilities. Because as I said, you can't cast a sequence of bytes as, byte, uh, as a capability. So this capability should be created by someone, and well, there is no mechanism to create a, a new capability for this CAPVM inside a CAPVM. So we, we can't access data outside our um, CAPVM. Um, the, the attacker can try to jump outside of the capability. Uh, and again, it's impossible because to jump outside capability, you need to perform capability aware instruction and you need to use capabilities to jump outside of the CAPVM. And again, all capabilities that a CAPVM has, uh, that uh, which has... Um, that has that have um, execution uh, permission. They are sealed. They can't be changed. So there is only one way to jump outside of uh, uh, CAPVM, and this way is controlled. We will always will go to the defined place, and the intervisor uh, will uh, will look where where you're going. And uh, the third uh, point, um, the attacker can try to uh, access um, data provided uh, from other VMs, uh, for example, um, you share data uh, and provide the VM for, uh, provide the capability for that. It's okay, and then you decided to revoke this access, and you uh, may assume that the malicious uh, attacker can won't still have access to this data because it has a capability. Again, um, our um, system will prevent this. Uh, because uh, the attacker can't store uh, capabilities uh, provided by other uh, parties of communication. So sounds very safe and secure. Brilliant. Um, so wh where do you see this research having the biggest impact then? Who will find CAPVMs the most useful? Who do you think your results are the most relevant for? Um, this is the research work, and we ask a research question. What does the cloud stack look like if we had memory capabilities? Um, so first of all, we consider the research community as the target audience. Um, Hardware-accelerated IPC, but by granularity, um, deprivileged components with very low uh, overhead for isolation. And we also, uh, well, shown how great is hybrid code. Um, the, there is a part, there is a huge part of the community um, uh, in the area of capability, memory capabilities, um, which discourage people to use hybrid systems. So they think, well, they try to shift more accents on pure capability uh, code while we use hybrid code. Uh, from the industry point of view, obviously, any area that uh, uses uh, virtualization, um, but the dissemination is very limited by the hardware availability. There is a Marella board, uh, but uh, there is a program pro supported by the UK government. Uh, I, I don't know how easy to get access to this board for ordinary people. Okay, cool. So... What is what would you say over the course of, of, of working on cat VMs? What's the most interesting lesson um, that you've learned? Maybe the only most unexpected thing you've learned while working on this project. 
Uh, well, to be honest, uh, I, I was very constrained in time, so I had no time for lessons. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I was very surprised um, when we moved everything from Quima to FPGA board and everything, everything worked out of box without any change. So it's a quite unusual practice when you, when you do this. Yeah. The, the cherry team <laughs> had been doing a great job. Um, on the technical side, uh, there was a moment when I realized that I'm actually benchmarking TLB, mm -hmm. uh, but what I expected to benchmark. So uh, low level uh, benchmarks are very tricky and require a lot of attention. So you always must be sure that you're benchmarking uh, what you're going to benchmark, but not something else. So I, yeah. I got very, very, very wrong numbers. I, I, I didn't understand why, why I, in one case I have, let's say, 2x performance, in another case, 5x performance benefit. And only after some very long investigation, I suddenly realized actually it's because of TLB. We have different addresses and they have different impact, performance impact. Nice. So Obviously, progress in research is very non-linear. So from the conception of like the, the initial idea to the actual end, the, the publication, were there things that you tried that failed and were there other things that maybe you could, um, certain dead ends you could explain to the listeners to kind of, so they don't end up making the same mistakes that you've done? Um, this project is complete. Um, I mean, um, there is a story, design, implementation, benchmark, and it has a um, finished set of features. So, well, people in research know that uh, sometimes uh, to sell an idea, you need to add several features to make reviewers happy. Uh, and after first rejection, the second uh, people add more and more features, making the project more and more complicated while didn't change the original idea. So, uh, in current state of the project, it's incredibly complicated to add something into it from the point of view of, uh, of features. Otherwise, you will break something else. For example, uh, some may say that uh, well, people may want pure capability VMs, while we have uh, hybrid VMs. Actually, Intervisal already supports uh, pure cap uh, VMs. Uh, but um, the use of pure cap code uh, breaks the revocation story. So you can't revoke shared capabilities using the method we introduced in the paper. So uh, we had several forks on the road. Uh, and, um, well, do you want to pass pointers between isolation layers as integers of capabilities? Uh, because this defined, do you need to redevelop the interfaces or you can use all of what you have? Um, do we want to add capability-aware calls or... Uh, or, we'll, or use just or what we already have. It's actually, um, I began my presentation today. I, I, I said about jump and return calls at the beginning of our discussion, and it's exactly yeah. the example the, uh, about the problem and the possible decision. So another question is, do we need revocation uh, of capabilities or not? Uh, and finally, are we capable to port uh, huge software like LKL to pure capability architecture? So depending on the decision, the, the implementation will be completely different. Uh, and the story as well also will be different. And um, it's hard to say that uh, all other decisions uh, are, scientific, are scientifically wrong, um, especially given that, that in systems, uh, the scientific criterion is performance. If one can find a way how to easily port LKL to pure capability, 
or deal with cup revocation in pure Cape code, uh, this will be a great project, a great paper. Um, the revocation problem actually is a very, is a very well known problem in the field of hardware memory capabilities. Uh, while porting of huge low level system code is very challenging, but also uh, depends on resources you have. But well, maybe people can find something easy, more easy way to do this. Nice. So kind of building on that, like I know you said this project is kind of finished, but what do you have planned for future research? Um, we are working already on the next project. Uh, it's also related to uh, the future of cloud computing. Uh, it uses the conception of CAPVMs. Um, this trial, we will try to overcome some drawbacks of pure cap code. Uh, well, but the project is in a very, very early, uh, early stage. So, okay, no, cool. don't have many information about it. Sure, no problem. So, I know you kind of talked us through your background at the start, but what kind of attracted you to the, this research area, and what do you think is the biggest challenge facing? Uh, facing it now? Um, I do like operating systems and I have been working in this area for many years and it suits my skill set. Uh, also, I like to use fancy hardware features to improve software systems. However, it's relatively complicated to conduct research in this field, in the field of operating systems. Um, I want to say that this is challenging not because of scientific side, but more about uh, the gap between existing research industry and the way how the research community accepts the ideas. Um, there is a keynote from ASPLOS 21 done by Timothy Roscoe, and he described this problem very well, so I, I recommend to everyone to have a look at it. Um, Long story short, the systems research in general and operating systems in particular are very problem-oriented. That's why we see performance-based justification of scientific results in every first paper. And because the overwhelming amount of software leaves in in the 19th with monolithic Linux, that's why people want to see solutions which are compatible or comparable uh, with Linux. Um, and uh, instead of moving to new technologies invented in the last 20 years, people deal with old things that just work, but researchers don't know how, on the one hand, to propose another solutions to problems that they already have been solving for many years, uh, and nobody uses them, or uh, try to convince people with very crazy ideas that... In, can't be compatible with Linux and the well expected set of benchmarks uh, in software. Cool, awesome. So, time for the last word now. What's the one key thing you want listeners to take away from your research on CAPVMs? Mm, hardware memory capabilities introduced in Cherry not only solve problems related to memory safety, but can be used to build low overhead, highly partitioned cloud systems. Fantastic software, actually. It's not only about clouds. Perfect. Well, we will leave it there. Thanks so much, Vasily. If you are interested in knowing more about his work, we'll put links to all his relevant materials in the show notes. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time for some more awesome computer science research.